Hello and welcome to this podcast brought to you by Scotland's Farm Advisory Service. Today we're going to be focusing on woodland creation on your croft. My name is Douglas Priest, I'm from SEC Consulting. My name is Donny Chisholm from the Woodland Trust. The intention of this podcast is just to give you a starting point if you're considering woodland creation on your croft. We're going to approach this from why, where, what and how. For me, the reason why you would plant woodland on your croft, the main driver would be shelter. There are many benefits which have been proven in case studies for reduced losses following um, shearing, um, reduced losses at lambing time, calving time, and also um, reduced winter feed and increased weight gain. These two go hand in hand. The, the animal's putting less energy into keeping warm, which means that it can put on more weight, which is going to lead to increased sales prices when it comes time to sell. Uh, other considerations would be biosecurity. Uh, if you can create a physical barrier of a woodland between either two of your own fields or yourself and a neighbour you're eliminating the possibility of nose-to-nose contact which can help reduce or almost eliminate the spread of disease through neighbouring herds or your own herd. The last point for me for woodland creation would be if you have uh, water courses on your property there are many benefits for bank stabilisation reduction in poaching again via physical barrier down to the water uh, and also reduced diffuse pollution concerns. Well-designed woodlands can also be used to um, improve nutrient cycling and therefore the productivity of ground. Woodland will also increase uh, the biodiversity of an area. Um, This can give added benefits of attracting more pollinators to the ground, uh, attracting more birds that would uh, help control insect pests, for example. You can also use woodlands for for shelter for horticultural businesses as well, so to shelter polytunnels from from strong winds or, uh, or even lazy beds. Well-designed woodland will also help to increase the amenity um, of a property or improve the the amenity value of a landscape as well. The next point to consider would be where to have your woodland. Um, Something I come up again and again is that the area of ground which gets planted in trees is the area which is completely useless for any other use. That's not to say that this isn't a possibility. It's just important to consider that if you're putting a woodland onto your property you might as well get as much benefit from that as you can and having very small isolated pockets of woodland do have their benefits but if you're looking for larger benefits it makes sense just to upscale things a bit and have um, a resource there for either shelter or other options such as um, timber which we'll cover later on. The main thing to consider is your orientation so for shelter you really want the the longest edge of the woodland to be running north south just to, to help with shelter against the prevailing wind although you must consider the shape and the scale of your woodland in the larger environment in the wider landscape as uh, landscape design issues can come into play such as um, geometric shapes um, so right angled corners square blocks of woodland in an open hillside these are the sort of things that the Forestry Commission are likely to flag up at the planning stage and could refuse a case on those grounds. The final point I'd say would be um, deep peats. Um, so if you have an area of ground where the peat is 50 centimetres or deeper, that would be completely ineligible for grant funding for woodland creation. So if you have an area in mind, a great starting point is just to go out, put a spade in the ground and just have a look and see if there's peat there and if so, how deep is it and how extensive is it? Other things to consider while you're thinking about where to put your um, new woodland would be uh, any designations that are on the ground, uh, so any triple SIs, SACs, or whether the woodland's going to be in a national scenic area. These are all things that can throw up issues that uh, would need to be ironed out before you could get an FGS contract or implement your scheme. Utilities is another issue often on sites. Any power lines, uh, water mains, or or, um, sewer pipes running across the site have to be left clear as well. Uh, the same goes for archaeology too. There are certain buffer zones for different types of archaeology that need to be left clear. Also for developing the scheme you, you, you will have to do 
wildlife and uh, vegetation surveys for most schemes is just looking at the vegetation that's that's there, uh, the soil types below them, and uh, any sort of rare or protected wildlife that might be using the site that could be adversely affected by the uh, planting of a new native woodland. The next thing to consider is what type of woodland you're going to create in your croft. This podcast is focusing on native broadly woodland creation of as opposed to commercial conifer. The main reason being that uh, in order to have a viable commercial conifer scheme on your property, you need to have larger areas than what is likely to be available on your croft. Well, it's worth making the distinction between commercial conifer plantations and native broadleaf schemes. It is also possible to have productive native broadleafs, but this really does need to be done on, on really quite good ground. So the last point on our list is how. How do you go about making this happen and what grant funding is available to you? The two main options for grant funding would be the forestry grant scheme and options made available through the Woodland Trust. My role within the Woodland Trust is as a project officer on the Croft Woodlands Project. The Croft Woodlands Project aims to help crofters and smallholders in the crofting counties plant trees and implement planting schemes uh, where they wish to. Uh, We do this through initial site assessment from one of the project officers. Uh, The project officer then reports back on the possibilities of the ground and uh, the likely costs involved. We then, carrying on from this, uh, try and line the crofter or smallholder up with funding. This is either via FGS, which Douglas has already mentioned, or the Woodland Trust's own grant scheme called Morewoods. Um, Morewoods gives a minimum of 60% funding for trees, shelters and fertiliser if it needed, but doesn't give any money towards fencing. For FGS, where an FGS scheme is thought viable, we will engage a a forestry agent on the crofter's behalf. We pay 90% of the cost of the agent to get the FGS uh, contract approved and therefore the funding secured. Um, the owner paying the other 10% of this. Um, going on from this, if a, a crofter or a smallholder wishes to cut the cost of implementation by doing some or all of the work themselves, we will support them in this. Um, this can be either through giving them a contractor lists so that they can contract contractors in their local area and manage them themselves rather than paying an agent to do this, or where the crofter wishes to do the implementation works themselves, um, we run various training days in conjunction with the Scottish Crofting Federation. You can find out more information on these training days through the Scottish Crofting Federation's website, which is www.crofting.org. We can also give guidance on any other aspects of the implementation that the um, crofter may wish, such as specifications for work so that it will be eligible for the FGS funding. In terms of options available through the forestry grant scheme, the two that options I'm going to focus on today are the native upland birch option and the native broadleaf in northern and western isles, which is also extends to elsewhere in the crofting counties. The reason I'm focusing on these two options is that I feel that they tie in best with where all the crofting areas lie. In order to find out whether your property is eligible for these options, it's possible to visit um, the Forestry Commission Scotland map your website and find your property on the map and turn on the different layers for each of the options and it will pop up and show you whether or not it's um, possible to go ahead with an option as a starting point at least. The native upland birch option for me is an attractive one in that the initial planting density needs to be 1600 stems per hectare and at the end of the contract period you must have 1100 stems per hectare so it's possible to overstock at year one 
and essentially all being well, you shouldn't have to replace any losses. There will still be maintenance in terms of um, weeding and controlling the neighbouring vegetation to allow your broadleaves to come away. But this um, allowance for losses is larger than any of the other options. So there can be a saving both in time in terms of logistics and ordering plants, but also it should make your life easier as um, the only maintenance you'll have to do is weeding rather than planting trees which have been lost, i.e. beating up. The initial payment rate for the native upland birch option is £1,840. However, if you fall within the increased target area, which was shown on the Forestry Commission Scotland Map Viewer webpage, then there is extra funding available which can make this um, more viable, particularly for smaller schemes. The other option I'd like to discuss would be the native broadleaf in northern and western isles, and as I previously mentioned, this is extended to other crofting counties. The drawback with this scheme is that there are caps on the area, so for the northern isles, the maximum area that is eligible would be one hectare, and for the western isles, this would be three hectares. Um, the smallest area for all forestry grant schemes is 0.25 hectares, quarter of a hectare. The initial payment rate for the native broadleaf in northern and western isles option is £3,600 per hectare. So significantly more than the native upland birch option, but it's worth bearing in mind that there will be more work involved due to higher stocking densities. So at the end of the contract period for the native upland birch option, you're looking at 1,100 stems per hectare, but for the northern and western isles option, this is 3,000 stems per hectare. So there will be more work involved with replacing losses, um, more work involved with weeding, etc. This is worth bearing in mind. Do not just be led by the figures Something else to consider with the forestry grant scheme that as things stand, your basic payment will be paid for 20 years following planting. But you must also consider that all grazing must be stopped within the woodland area for 20 years following planting as well. It's important to consider how this will affect your croft um, in terms of the, your land use. Both of these options mentioned above fall within the area for increased deer fencing payments, which are £9.90 rather than £6.80. Again, you can check to see if your property falls within these areas by looking at the Forestry Commission Scotland map here. Particularly if you're carrying out the work yourself, then this increased level of funding can make the scheme a lot more viable. So we're coming towards the end of the podcast. I hope that this has contained some information that you found useful and it's certainly a good starting point if you're considering some woodland creation on your croft. Some key takeaway points that I'd just like to finish on are as follows. It's important not to let fence lines and locations dictate where your woodland is going as it makes a lot more sense to have the right tree in the right place in order to have a healthy, viable woodland rather than letting your fence line dictate where the woodland is going to be. The next point would be not to be led by the highest grant funding as this may not be the best option for your property. Uh, It makes more sense to have a scheme which is less financially attractive in the early years and more efficient and more helpful to your business down the line rather than having a scheme which is leaving you with a surplus but may not be suitable to what you're looking for for the croft. Next would be if you are going to go ahead and with the DIY option and carry out fencing and planting and groundworks yourself. This is not a problem and you're, you're perfectly entitled to do that but just bear in mind that it is a big commitment and there's many there's five years at least where you will be expected to replace losses and carry out weeding and you can be open to inspections by the forestry commission to ensure that you are carrying work out to the correct specifications so just bear in mind that that is quite a big undertaking and that it will go on for a number of years finally i just say that there's the the long-term implications of woodland creation and that while 
the scheme may start off with a net cost, particularly in the smaller cases if you are getting the work hard by contractors, it's worth bearing in mind that over the life of the woodland uh, it will pay for itself and then some in terms of the welfare and value of your of your livestock and also um, income from timber such as firewood and the cottage industries. If you'd like more information on woodland creation then you can contact your local land agent or alternatively there's the Scottish Farm Advisory Service advice line which is 0300 323-0161. Also, if you would like more information on the Croft Woodlands Project, please email us at crofting at woodlandtrust.org.uk.